Today on The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. You want to be blessed by God, don't you? These blessings that we've gone through in the first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 5 cannot be taken away from you when you lose your job cannot be taken away from you if you have health problems or if your friends reject you. No, receive the wonderful blessings of Jesus. Welcome to The Verdict, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor John Monroe. Have you ever noticed that even after you get that raise or buy that new car or reach that long-term goal, you still find yourself wanting more? Well, today on The Verdict, we're learning what it means to hunger and thirst after righteousness and pursue the blessings of God for fulfillment that never ends. Now, let's join Pastor John Monroe for today's message, Receive the Blessing. What do you expect from a Christian? What are the characteristics of those who are following Jesus? Often those who are not believers in Jesus Christ expect high standards from those of us who claim to be saved by the grace of God. Do you think that's right? More to the point, what attitudes and values are expected by God? Here in the Sermon on the Mount, we're listening to Jesus Himself explain what blessings await those who are in the Kingdom of God. We thought last time of hungering and thirsting after righteousness and being merciful and pure. Do you experience these things in your life? Let's now continue to hear from the Lord Jesus. I'm praying that you will receive these blessings from heaven as you listen and humbly obey. Matthew 5 verses 1 through 12. Well, let's look at these Beatitudes now. First of all, in verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Let's think of the hungry and the thirsty. Notice that they hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness is the goal. So I ask you, are you hungering and thirsting after righteousness? Second, the merciful, verse 7 Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Isn't this interesting? Now, when we think of God, we realize that God is merciful to us. In fact, the Beatitudes are a beautiful display of the very character of Jesus. Our God is the source of mercy. And we who are broken, we who are unrighteous, we who mess up, are totally dependent upon the mercy of God for our salvation and blessings. And as you read the Gospels, as I love, what do we see? We see Jesus reaching out in mercy. See, the focus of mercy is compassion in action. Not just thinking about it, but compassion in action. Coming to those who are distressed, coming to those who are in pain, coming to those who are troubled, coming to those who are bereaved, coming to those who are unable to help themselves. That's the gospel, isn't it? So Paul writes in Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5, but God, listen to this, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, 
even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Do you get that? God is rich in mercy. Not just a little bit, but he's rich in mercy. And his mercy is displayed in the gift of his son for your salvation and mine. How is salvation achieved then? By turning over a new leaf, by cleaning up my act? Absolutely not. Impossible. Jesus told the story about the man in the temple who said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's it. That's the way of salvation, to repent, to cry out to God for mercy. And now Jesus is saying, we who have received this mercy are to be merciful to others. Luke 6, verse 36, Jesus says, be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Matthew 9, verse 13, Jesus says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Oh, there were religious people who were very happy to bring the odd sacrifice to the temple. And Jesus says, no, I, I want mercy, not sacrifice. You see, you, you don't find mercy in the externals of religion. You don't find mercy in legalism, in ritualism. Mercy isn't checking a box. No, mercy is a generosity and a, a compassion in action to those in need. And in the book of Luke, Jesus gives a wonderful example of that. He tells the story uh, of the Good Samaritan who, who comes across this man who has been beaten up and robbed and left half dead. And this man that we call the Good Samaritan goes, and what does he do? He ministers to him. He has mercy upon him. He doesn't know the man. He's never met him before. He's different from him. But he has mercy to a man in need. That's mercy. You ever received mercy from, from someone? Many of you have received that, haven't you? From someone, mercy. Let me ask you, when were you last merciful to someone? Can I say to you, don't be harsh. Don't be legalistic. Don't be self-righteous. James writes in James 2.13, mercy triumphs over judgment. Don't be too quick to judge and find fault. Don't do that. Be kind. You're a follower of Jesus. Be merciful. Compassion in action. We're surrounded, aren't we, by broken people? Children, be merciful to your friend at school. Parents, be merciful to your children. Be merciful to that difficult relative, that friend, that colleague, that person who's struggling. During this crisis, what a wonderful opportunity for we who follow Jesus to show mercy to the poor, to the broken, to the bereaved, to the hurting, the unemployed, all around us. Jesus is saying, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I love receiving mercy. Now, says Jesus, be merciful. Here's the third one. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. My, I don't feel adequate to speak on this one. To see God, can you think of that? Notice, it's the pure in heart. 
<laughs> this is an internal purity. It's the purity in the heart. Religion, cultural Christianity emphasizes the external, that we look good, that we check the boxes, we go through the motions, we're concerned with other people thinking about us. That, of course, leads to hypocrisy and is condemned by Jesus. Listen to Jesus talking to the Pharisees in Matthew 23, verse 28. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others. Here's the Pharisees. Outwardly, says Jesus, you appear righteous to others, but within you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Rather convicting, isn't it? Pure in heart. The heart, of course, isn't just referring to our emotions. It involves emotions. No, it's, refer it's referring to the internal person, our, our will, and our, our, certainly our mind. What, what do you think about? What do you look at? What do you read? What do you talk about? What, what kind of movies do you watch? What do you look at on that iPhone of yours, that computer of yours? We live in a very dirty, sleazy, perverted world. Uh, there's not much purity around, is there? Uh, when we switch on our televisions or, or look around in society. No, the pure in heart, listen, are not looking at pornography. The pure in heart are not engaging in immorality. Chapter 15, verse 19, Jesus says this, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defiles a person, but to eat with unwashed hands doesn't defile anyone. The Pharisees are concerned about the externals, and Jesus says no. It's what's in your heart. Because all of these things, these terrible sins that he lists, come not from the outside, but from the heart. Therefore, the pure in heart will see God. And the pure in heart lead pure lives. You say, well, uh, John, I, I, I must say my, my heart isn't very pure. Well, I'm glad you say that. I appreciate your honesty. Because all of us, all of us need spiritual cleansing. Proverbs 20 verse 9, who can say, I've made my heart pure, I'm clean from my sin? Is there anyone here can say that they can clean up their heart, their internal person? No, we're all defiled by sin. Psalm 24, who will ascend the hill of the Lord? Who will stand in the holy place? Who is the person who can stand before a holy God? Answer, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, pure heart. See, God demands purity. Where do we get that spiritual cleansing? Listen, John gives us the answer in 1 John. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that this is a spiritual cleansing flowing from the cross of Jesus Christ as we repent and embrace the Savior. Now, those of us who have been cleansed spiritually, who are saved by the grace of God, are called to live holy lives. Peter writes, 1 Peter 1, 
as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Did you notice the tremendous promise to those who are pure in heart? Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Think of that. Sinful people like us seeing God. You say, how does that come about? Well, the closer you follow Jesus, the more you keep your eyes on Jesus, the more you listen to his words, the more you commune with him, the holier you will be, pure in heart, and the more aware you'll be of your own sin. The pure in heart, they will see God. Hebrews 12, verse 14, pursue holiness without, no, without which no one will see the Lord. And John writes so wonderfully in 1 John 3, as he anticipates the return of the Lord, when we will see him, we'll be like him, for we will see him as he is. And then he says, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself as he is pure. The future event, Christ's return, has a purifying effect on me now. Here is a couple, they're engaged, they're getting married at Calvary in November of this year. Uh, she lives in Charlotte, her fiance is presently in Chicago, they're separate. Uh, she's here, uh, she's surrounded by immoral people. What's going to keep her pure? You could say, well, first of all, her relationship with God, yes, that's true. That's fundamental. Secondly, the reality of the future event, that when that wedding day comes, she wants to present herself to her bridegroom as a pure person. The future impacting the present. That's the point. Christ is coming. And in the New Jerusalem, John writes in Revelation 22, verse 4, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads, that we will see God. Paul says, now it is through a glass dimly, but then face to face. The more you pursue God, the more you read his word, the more you confess your sins, the more you see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Then fourthly, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Isn't this intriguing? Our Lord Jesus, of course, is the peacemaker. He's called the Prince of Peace. God is called the God of Peace. We were once enemies of God, but we have been reconciled to God through our Lord Jesus Christ, who has made peace between God who is holy and we who are sinful, and he does that through the blood of his cross. So now, we who have been justified have peace with God. And we now are to show that we are like God, that we are sons of God by being agents of peace. Are you a peacemaker? See, this peacemaking is not just an absence of conflict and hostility but is the presence of righteousness, of reconciliation and joy. 
Not only are we to do all we can to live peaceably with people, we are to do that, we're to bring others together who have been separated from each other and who in fact may be hostile to each other. Have you ever tried that? To be a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall become sons of God. Over the years, I've met people who are troublemakers. They always seem to be in the middle of a fight. They seem to get offended very easily. They're very, very prickly. And they seem to regard one of their priorities in life is to put everyone right, to correct people. Paul writes, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Peacemaking is sometimes difficult. Sometimes it's very costly. Sometimes we are misunderstood when we try to make peace. Is there someone that you need to make peace with? Maybe you need to make peace in your own family, husband and wife, parent and child. Perhaps you're alienated from your, your sister or your, your grandfather. Be a peacemaker in your home, in your family. Think at work. Sometimes at work, there are people who are troublemakers. They're not at peace. Or even in the church, there, there sometimes are those who always seem to be in the middle of a fight, always putting people right, not doing very much themselves. Jesus is saying, live at peace and be a peacemaker and you will be called the son of God. There's a last one in verses 10 through 11. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The persecuted. First we thought of those hungering and thirsting, then the merciful, then the pure in heart, then the peacemaker, now the persecuted. You see, persecution and suffering are expected for followers of Jesus. Why is that? Because our Lord himself was persecuted, crucified on a cross. We remember that he is described as the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Not the man of laughter, but the man of sorrows and the one who takes our grief and takes our sorrow, who's hated without a cause, who's ill-treated and eventually nailed to a cross. We read in verse 12 that so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Many men and women throughout church history have been persecuted for righteousness sake, have been persecuted on account of being a follower of Jesus. You see, as you live out these beatitudes, sometimes you're going to experience misunderstanding, perhaps in your own home, hostility, persecution. Many of our brothers and sisters throughout the world today are actively persecuted. Some are imprisoned, some lose their jobs persecuted in ways that most of us could never understand. But I've known followers of Jesus who have been persecuted. I've known followers of Jesus who've been fired at work because they wouldn't lie, because they wouldn't be dishonest. I've known men and women who have ended relationships because they wouldn't compromise their Christian convictions and engage in immoral conduct. I've known 
Young people who have been socially rejected and ostracized, isolated because of their stand for Jesus. Are, are you making following Jesus a bit too easy? Be strong. Be courageous. Christ is with you. Don't fall apart because someone ridicules you. Don't fall apart because some friend remonstrates with you. Think of the promise. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says in verse 12, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. See, these blessings come to us now and in the future. If you're persecuted for righteousness' sake, if you're persecuted on account of Jesus, you have a great reward in heaven. You say, what does that mean? I'm not sure all of it means. I know there's crowns of righteousness and other rewards. And I do know that we who follow Jesus will reign with him in the millennial kingdom. And all of this is sheer, pure grace. And there is a special blessing to those who suffer, to those who are persecuted, to those who are misunderstood because they are following Jesus. What am I saying this morning? I'm saying this. That true followers of Jesus receive spiritual blessings now and in the future. You want to be blessed by God, don't you? And the wonderful thing is these blessings that we've gone through in the first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 5 cannot be taken away from you when you lose your job. Cannot be taken away from you because of a virus. Cannot be taken away from you if you are in isolation. Cannot be taken away from you if your life savings disappear. Cannot be taken away from you if you have health problems or if your friends reject you. No. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. Be merciful. Be pure in heart. Be a peacemaker. Be ready to suffer on account of Christ. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. And receive the wonderful blessings of God. I'm going to pray. Eternal God and our Father, thank you for these blessings that we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. As we praise you and thank you in Christ's name. Amen. You're listening to The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe and a message titled, Receive the Blessing. If you'd like to revisit any part of this lesson or perhaps share the link with a friend or on social media, you can easily do that anytime on our website at theverdict.org. And as a special addition to this series, we're offering a helpful Bible study resource that gets to the heart of Christian living. It's a booklet by John called Life in the Kingdom, and it deals with what it means to follow Christ as taught by Jesus Himself in the Sermon on the Mount. It takes you through key passages of Scripture and provides a clear understanding of how we're to live for the eternal kingdom of God each and every day. And right now, you can request a free copy of Life in the Kingdom by visiting our website at theverdict.org. Here at The Verdict, we're committed to sharing and teaching biblical truth on a daily basis. And we invite you to be a part of this gospel work throughout this new year by supporting our ministry with a financial gift of any amount. When you give, you help bring these Bible programs to your community and around the world. 
So please make a special New Year donation today by going online to theverdict.org or call us at 833-551-2231. You can also send a check through the mail. Just address your envelope to The Verdict, Care of Calvary Church, 5801 Pineville Matthews Road, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28226. Now, here's Pastor John Monroe. Well, what's your verdict? If you're a follower of Jesus, are the characteristics of the kingdom reflected in your life? Are you merciful? You want people to be merciful to you, but are you merciful to others? What about purity of heart? How can you see God if you're focused on that which is impure? I trust you are a peacemaker and continue to follow Jesus in spite of opposition. Isn't it helpful to hear these lessons from Jesus? Join me next time as we think of Jesus talking on being salt and light. Thanks for joining us today on The Verdict. I'm Michelle Davies. Today's program with Pastor John Monroe was produced and sponsored by Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina.